Hello everyone and welcome back to the Charming China podcast. I'm Isabel Sum and I've started this podcast to create a deeper cultural understanding between the East and the West and to let inspiring entrepreneurs in China tell their stories and give you tips on how to succeed in this complex market. I'm born and raised in Germany with Chinese roots and I've been sourcing products from China for more than five years and live here full time since more than two years to build up our business. Today's guest is Hui Ling, a Shanghai-born event manager and blogger who grew up in Africa, studied in the US and lives and works in China now. With her vlog, she tries to shine a light at what's going on in Africa and educate Chinese people on the unique vibes and energy of the cities there. We discuss trends in the event business, why Shanghai is so metropolitan, and what you should prepare to bring to the table if you're planning to come here. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today I'm here with Hui Ling. Yeah, do you want to introduce yourself? Um, okay, hello everyone. Thank you for having me, Isa. My name is Hui Ling, and uh, I am Shanghainese, but I was raised in West Africa. I moved to the state for university when I was little. Uh, and now I'm back in Shanghai. Wow, nice! That's quite <laughs> That's a, trip. a quick, quick sum up yeah. of my life. <laughs> wow, quite a trip you did so already. What was your major? Uh, my major in university was public relations and entrepreneurship. How did you use that in your career so far? <laughs> um, when I graduated university, I I tried a couple of jobs in marketing, advertising, and uh, my career in Shanghai at the moment, I'm freelancing for event planning. So I am an event manager. I work for different event agencies to help them put together events. Mm -hmm. So that's my part-time job mm -hmm. and then I have another part-time job of being a vlogger uh, with my experience of growing up in Africa I'm trying to go back to Africa every now and then get video content make them into vlogs and showcase to the Chinese audience so that's my other part-time job wow cool so you're also pretty busy did you start working in the US then or did you after graduating come right back to China I started working in New York, mm -hmm. actually. That was my first full-time job. Um, my job was in digital advertising at the time. Um, I was there for two years before I decided to come back to Shanghai. At that time, when I came back six years ago, you know, the creative industry in Shanghai was booming. There was a lot of um, big 4A agencies that uh, that were hiring a lot there were a lot of also international corporates that were moving into the into the country to get some market shares so that was a big reason that prompted me to come back to shanghai to pursue my career since i've been back i've been working in events mm -hmm. for six years now mm -hmm. so do you feel like you know shanghai pretty well um because how old were you when you left i left shanghai when i was 12 Uh, from 12 to 18, I was in Ghana, and then from 18 till, I want to say for the next six, seven years, so wait, I'm not going to math, 18 plus, 18 <laughs> plus, plus six, okay, so 18 till 24, I was in the States, mm -hmm. um, and then I came back to Shanghai. Mm -hmm. wow. I, I, I don't think I know Shanghai very well, I know Shanghai from my perspective, Definitely, I have a lot of friends who are expats. Um, we hang out a lot with the bilingual community. Mm -hmm. So I think there are definitely different perspectives of Shanghai mm -hmm. that I don't know so well. 
but yeah, I know it in my own way. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's such a big city. Um, when I came once just for traveling, I, we actually, you know, just had a look as like tourist mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. in the city. And then one time we got lost and it was in the middle of the city. And suddenly we were just surrounded by, you know, kind of like these tiny houses and people were just like outside on the street cooking and things yeah. like that. It was uh, very different and yeah, we just got lost and it, it has so many different faces to it, I think. Absolutely. I mean, this is kind of like the old Shanghai we're losing more and more. Obviously, with city planning, you can still see a lot of the, um, a lot of the remains of, um, of, of when the French was here in the French concession. Definitely see from the architecture, uh, you feel that they were here and... For a significant amount of time um, but a lot of these old architecture are actually being torn down to build shopping malls whatnot you know city planning stuff when i was growing up when i was little before i actually left shanghai you have a lot of these lane houses but you still have a few you know the old compounds uh, when you go in it you have every household in the compound hanging their sheets and the big jackets, you know, above your head. And you're just literally walking in with all these fabric hanging over your head. So that was really cool. And uh, Good place for hide and seek, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we used to have so much fun just playing in the compound, just out of the apartment. And all the kids from the compound would play together. And I remember... When I was little, one of the biggest joy of our week was to get a, a couple of uh, coins from our parents to go to, you know, this little shop in the compound and they sold everything, gum, candy, snacks, mm -hmm. chips. So that was kind of like our little treat of the week. And, you know, you don't have those shops anymore. Everybody buys things from supermarket. Uh, Shanghai is definitely developing at crazy fast speed but that's also why a lot of expats like yourself come here uh, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. great so when you came back to um, shanghai why did you choose to um, let's say freelance and work for yourself and not to you know find a job first or did you do that first i i did so i had a full-time i had a full-time job um exactly the same i'm doing now I worked for a full-time job for, I want to say, two to th almost three years doing events as an event planner. Eventually, um, the agency life kind of wore me down. Um, it's really exhausting, and I wanted to have more freedom with my time and a bit more flexibility to, you know, just explore my other passion and interest. Um, so I think that's one thing you can have in Shanghai because of the economy there's always a demand for good professionals to freelance um, so I decided to freelance after three years of full-time I've not looked back so you know mm -hmm. since then really liked the flexibility it provides mm. yeah I think that's so good because uh, yeah you can just plan your day however yeah, you want absolutely. you have all the freedom Wow, and uh, when did you start vlogging? Um, I started vlogging since la end of last year. I started vlogging uh, end of last year. I went to, I did a little trip of East Africa. I did Kenya, I did Uganda, I did Rwanda. Um, I took footage of all my travels 
I started editing everything. So I actually have a professional editor that helps me do the editing. Um, I put the bilingual subtitles and yeah, I've only been a vlogger for less than half a year now. <laughs> only for a couple of months. Okay, yeah. nice. But is it fun? It's it's fun, you know. I think I think for Chinese, um, we don't have enough information on Africa. And unfortunately, even the Chinese millennials, you know, the younger kids, the younger generation, they don't really see Africa for what it is. I think there's so much creativity, there's so much... Um, you know, like a very vibrant, useful energy that's powering the city, uh, that's powering the continent. And uh, that's what I'm hoping to showcase through my vlogs. So I cover a lot of uh, content on arts. I cover a lot of content on social entrepreneurship. Just another narrative of Africa nobody has really touched upon in China. Uh, so yeah, so far I've published about six vlogs. Lots of great feedback. Mm. Um, definitely something refreshing for people to see. Yeah, that's so interesting. I don't think it's only China who, um, you know, maybe doesn't know so much about. I think these vlogs are yeah, definitely probably. also like really interesting internationally. Mm -hmm. And how come you, that that you grew up in Africa? So your parents worked there, or? Yeah, well, my parents worked. Well, when I was little, my dad actually used to work for a very big corporate here. I think he eventually realized that was not that was not his calling. And it's, you know, certainly very political. There is a lot of um, political games mm. that you have to be willing to play. So he got himself out of that environment. He was just really looking for a place to sit back and relax for a couple of months before he figured out what he wanted to do again. At that time, my uncle and my aunt were already pretty established in Ghana. Um, they had a business already. So they said, you know, guys, come over, just hang out and see how you like it. My dad went there, absolutely loved it. It's very relaxing, super laid back. The Ghanaians are really, really nice, friendly as you, you know, you'll come across. So that's when he decided to have his own business. That prompted, you know, the move of me and my mom, basically the whole family will move mm -hmm. there. So, so what did you think as a child? So you're basically a child growing up in China and then suddenly your, your dad tells you, okay, we're moving to yeah. Africa. What did you think and how was it for you? I mean, you know, back then, when I was little, uh, there was not so much information on Africa at all, right, for Chinese. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to Africa. Um, people told me scary things, <laughs> but I had no idea what to believe or not. So I just went, and it was great. I, I, I think, you know, definitely when you move as a child, you have a quick, quicker period of time to adapt into the new environment. So I found it very easy. I made a lot of friends in, in school um, and definitely the fact that my my parents were also both there working helped me a lot um, to kind of settle in. I had a great child. I, I mean, I had a great childhood growing up there. You know, it's tropical, it's warm, it's next to the beach. You didn't have as much homework as, you know, if I was to grow up in <laughs> Shanghai. So mm -hmm. basically, we played a lot. We spent a lot of time outside the house, outside the school. Yeah, it was great. Did you have siblings as well? Nope, just me. Okay. So well, a lot of friends, probably. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of friends, but uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, for I think for my generation, most of the kids are still only only child. Mm. What language is, is the official language in Ghana? 
The official language is English,、uh, secondary language is French. So when we were going to school, you know, they would teach French as a second language. And is that like an Af- like an African language as well? Yes,、um, there were different dialects. So just like you know, in China, the main language is Mandarin, right? But depending on the city you go to, you have a different dialect.、Um, so in Ghana, we had actually many dialects depending on the tribe you're from. The two of the biggest dialects were given as options for kids to learn in school, which was difficult for me. <laughs> <Yeah> . So I really just kind of sat through classes and、uh, and managed to manage to copy. The answers of my neighbors for exam enough to pass. So that 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 was a、uh, yeah that was that was a, the little challenge I had. So then then coming back to China,、um, how how is it for you to do your business? What are your like your biggest、um, let's say challenges? I think well okay a few things for the event industry. I think number one speaking on the account perspective when I deal with clients. Especially, most of the clients I deal with are international, right? So they find it difficult to bring their vision, but execute it on the Chinese ground. Sometimes, you know, I will receive a brief, and they tell us, "Okay, we want something super creative, super out of the box," but it's 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 still quite difficult for a lot of the locals to accept something very off the wall. Um, so that's that's a challenge we face. Basically, kind of connecting the client's creative vision to find a realistic way of executed, and to be accepted and appreciated by the locals. And secondly, I think definitely the the, the level of vendors we have.、Um, I know in Europe, I know in America, if you have a florist, this is the person that's actually going to give you ideas. Or creativity on what can be done in terms of the floor arrangement you you need to make this event shine. Whereas in China, you need to be really hands on because you know unfortunately their taste is just not how yours is. You have to give them very clear directions. You have to find references. Basically, you have to be the designer. You have to be the creative mind of everything.、Mm-hmm. Um, you can only give. Very clear guidelines and instructions for your vendors to follow, which is frustrating, right? Because then there is a lot of work. There's a lot of brain work on my part.、Mm-hmm. If I had, you know, a selection of of suppliers who were able to do some of that thinking for me, then it becomes a powerhouse because everybody is doing their own part of thinking, and we come together to make something great.、Mm-hmm. So that's that's my my second biggest challenge, I think.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. So basically, like just. A lot more workload on your、yeah. part, which would in the West not be given for for events.、Um, for example, from my experience,、uh, for some events, I mean, <laughs> you know, we've we've lived in another province, which is not as super international as Shanghai. Right. So when we had events there,、um, for me it was quite interesting because it was super super different from. Any other Western style of event, for example, we had Christmas market, and it was、um, more like a Christmas, I don't know, techno concert. <laughs>、so、yeah, it was very different. And、uh, like for example, the crowd,、um, they would、um, they wouldn't really be engaged or doing anything. It was just、um, basically an outdoor event, and they they would just all sit on their spots. And also, for example, if something.、Uh, 
some some band performed or something, they wouldn't really clap or do it. The, the feedback was quite like let's say a passive. Yeah. Um. So so how how is it in China like with the crowd in Shanghai especially with the crowd like because it's also mixed right so you have also internationals and local crowds so you have to kind of combine the two or do you usually focus on one like target group more? It really depends. I mean, when you say B2B and B2C events, obviously the nature of it is very different. I think the trends of any events, you know, just a couple of big trends is to be interactive, be digital, um, be photogenic because of the power of social media. So people no longer have an event with bulky productions, you know, big pieces of setup that's really wasteful, but they really want little cute installations that people will think, oh, this is nice. I want to take pictures of it and post it on my, you know, moments mm -hmm. or, or Instagram or whatever. Mm -hmm. So these are the big trends I see. And these are the things we try to bring in um, into into every project we work on. Do you also have like employees full time or do you work mostly freelancers because I'm, I'm, I am freelance, so I go into an agency environment where, you know, um, I would say 90% of the team that is given to me is full-time. So I have a designer, I have a couple of designers I work with. There is a production manager that handles the more technical aspect, and my role is a project management. Mm -hmm. So basically, I babysit. I make sure we stay within timeline, we stay within budget, I make the benchmark for the agency, and everything happens according to, you know, the best we can plan it to be, and the client is happy. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. For your personal and work life, you chose Shanghai. Is your plan to, you know, stay here full time? Would mm -hmm. you recommend people? Um, to I think yeah. You know, if you haven't, if you. Ha if you haven't had any living or working experiences in Asia in general, I think Shanghai is a very easy place for, for expats. Now with the working visa, yes, it's tricky. You definitely have to have a good enough job offer to have your work visa. But I think the city is metropolitan and international enough that you're not going to have too much of a culture shock, right? It's fairly, it's fairly easy on the expats. Have I chosen Shanghai? No, you know, I came back six years ago because there was a lot of opportunities in terms of, of job uh, and definitely it's been an interesting journey and I'm just starting my um, vlog project on Africa and I'm already seeing a lot of potentials. There's a lot of interest in people to collaborate with me. So where that goes, I have no idea, but I don't plan to stay here um, forever. I think maybe given or take two, three years, I will consider moving somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, I think nowadays people have a different mindset, especially if they are working for themselves and have companies that they're not really interested in, you know, settling that early. Yeah. Um, or even never, maybe. Because, I mean, even if you have kids, you can still move, you know. So um, I think that's the mindset of a lot of people nowadays, that they don't need to buy a house at 30 <laughs> and yeah, just yeah, yeah. stay there forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you can never, you know, I, I don't even know what I'm going to be doing next year, mm. let alone, you know, buying a house and saying, okay, I'm going to spend the rest of my life here. And I think given the job nature of me and my boyfriend, um, the good thing is that we have a lot of freedom to, to move. So we will 
you know, we, we will do that until we come to a point where we're like, okay, That's it. <laughs> enough moving. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe at one point you'll get tired. It, it depends. Maybe. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Cool. So I find it very interesting because, I mean, you are like fully Chinese, but so international. So, so how, how do you see your cultural background? Um, I definitely see myself as uh, ethnicity-wise, definitely Chinese, right? Um, but where am I emotionally most attached to? I would say it's Ghana where I grew up or Africa in general. The culture, the people, um, that's something that really keeps on taking me back. But in Shanghai, what really works to my advantage is that I speak Chinese, I also speak Shanghainese, which I think it's certainly a big advantage if you want to uh, work in Shanghai. I'm thankful to have had the years of growing up in Shanghai, which gives me the language ability. But yeah, certainly to do what I do, you have to be bilingual to, to manage the, the, the suppliers and the client, basically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For people who don't know, basically in China, there's a like Mandarin, Putonghua, which is like a main language, and then every place basically has their own little dialect. But it's not like a dialect, like you know, American British English. Right, it's really, right. really different. It's a different language. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So that's that's important. Yeah. I guess so. I think because for Shanghai, it's really uh, quite a. It, it's a new city, but it's also really traditional. So it's an old have, city, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's very modern, but yeah, it has a lot of like old structures in a way, and yeah, old old population, old population, and you know this old population, they're very nostalgic. There is certainly a lot of history in in this city where they grew up. So for for them, you know, the dialect itself is is a part of their culture. Do you feel like Shanghai people are more used to kind of like Western ways of you know? Maybe project management or things like that because yeah. they've been exposed to certainly yeah yeah because I imagine that's also a big challenge sometimes you know just for example when we had construction projects in in our our company then sometimes the answer would be uh, if we asked for a time plan it would be like soon <laughs> or right. something like that right so and then for us uh, with our German cultural mindset and background it was very hard to understand what that means um, so usually what we do is kind of like give like okay three weeks two days whatever like a very clear timeline but for, for our feedback was usually like um, or like soon so um, is that also kind of taking up a lot of your time and work to communicate with your international clients and um, maybe Chinese team and the, the working schedule and everything like that for for me I think this is fairly really managed mm-hmm. in, in an efficient way um, because I think everybody who works in the event industry is time oriented mm-hmm. you know because you don't have forever it's not like building a house there is actually there is actually a date where you know it's printed on the invitation and it's being sent out to people so regardless of what you have you got to put up something on that day of event and that goes across board for our project management team for the supplier and for the client to stay on the same timeline this is also where my value comes in to keep everybody in line um, to keep everybody you know meeting deadlines and, uh, and 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 yeah just be on the same page yeah I guess it's it's good to be like um, have an honest and like straightforward communication probably so yeah that it works, absolutely it works out. 
Cool. So how do you get most of your clients? Is there, do you have any tips on how, for example, if other people want to do event management, um, what, what's the best way for you that has worked so far in Shanghai? I think, you know, if you are um, out of university, you want to try events, come to Shanghai, do a summer internship to see how it is. Because when I was working full time, I've actually had a lot of interns and most of them quit after the internship just because it's not sex in the city it's not as glamorous as it's you know advertised on tv um it's lots of long hours overnights and you do have to have how do i say a good personality to get along with with with, with the team and everybody as well as a clear head to keep everybody in check so to speak, and until you try, you you don't really know if 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 that's what you really want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So try a summer internship, if that's what you're looking for. And granted, you're good, and that's the most important thing to work in any field in Shanghai. I don't actively look for clients anymore, just because I've been in this industry for six years now. Um, agencies find me from referrals. Because someone said, work with this person, she's going to take care of it. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's what we need in Shanghai. That's what agencies need. That's what managers need. Because we have enough problems, <laughs> as it is. Yeah. So we really need someone who's not going to give us more problems, but she's going to take care of things. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think internship is a great way to start. Have a little taste of what event management is. And if that's something you choose to do, then be dedicated, you know, do a few years of, of slaving your life away in the agency. And, and then once you have enough resources and enough experience, um, freelance is actually a pretty, pretty cool way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So um, I met you at a female entrepreneurs event. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think if there's any difference that you're a woman doing the business or in, a woman in China doing business, it, did you feel like this? It makes any kind of difference from being a man. Um, personally, for me, no, and you know, I don't really play my gender card too much. Except I, there's something heavy to carry, maybe. <laughs> That's you, what I do, seriously. Because sometimes I think, I just can't carry this. Like, please help me. <laughs> oh, of course. But, you know, especially when you're on-site at an event and your event is going to happen in 30 minutes, you you will do whatever it takes. Yeah. You know, put it on tablecloth or sweeping, whatever it takes. Um, you're you're going to have to do it. And uh, I think... I think first to be respected, especially, you know, I work with workers, literally construction workers yeah. on site who build the production. So unless you know what you're talking about and unless you are actually logical in the way you reason with them, they will not listen to you. And unless obviously you're respectful and you understand where they come from and you, that sometimes takes us to get out of our box a little bit and hear things from their perspective. Um, you need to be well-rounded, you need to be reasonable, you know, you need to be nice. <laughs> if, if these guys, if these workers feel like you also think for them, you're not just literally squeezing everything you can use out of them to, 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 for your own profit, you know, you, you want to do the good thing that's, 
that's good for everybody basically mm-hmm. yeah so you really need to find a balance don't make them like you need to find a balance them basically like yeah crazy and yeah so okay for example the client is going to tell you i don't want to pay two days of rent so that means my workers will have to work 48 hours of no sleep but no that's not acceptable mm-hmm. right and just because you know you're in china doesn't mean you can exploit our workers so they work two overnights so you don't have to pay an extra day of any Mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. and this is when you have to fight for your workers and when you do and when you take into consideration of everybody's well-being i think it comes through and i think it helps people um to 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 give you a sense of respect mm-hmm. yeah for sure for sure because they they just t- can tell that where yeah. you're coming from and what your intentions are and how you how you manage yeah so I, i i don't think it comes down to gender um project management is a bit more tedious there's a lot of small moving parts so to be honest i think most of the project managers in our industry are women you have more men being production managers they deal with the technical um, and the, you know the building and the lighting and all of that but mm-hmm. yeah for me gender has never really been too much of a challenge and i'm very thankful because i think also i work in shanghai you know it's a pretty It's a pretty forward city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think if there's anything new or good or any kind of new th- fun things, it's usually they can be found in China. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so many interesting things. Uh, what, what did you do in the US? Just um, well, go to school, right? Yeah, just went to university. Okay, where was that? Uh, in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've never been there. Is it nice? It's, it's a nice city, you know. Yeah. It's not as posh as new york um but it's got its little quirky charm um there's another name for it called the brotherly the city of brother love um so it's very people are very patriotic okay. yeah they will only root for their own basketball team mm-hmm. hockey team you know football team mm-hmm. that, that kind of stuff okay they take a m- lot of pride in where they come from that's nice yeah cool gives you a sense of you know belonging and yeah absolutely cool cool could you ever imagine uh, living and working in the u.s as well uh probably not now okay um i think the few years i had in, Sh- in new york was great uh i just you know i'm not saying china is perfect but i just don't really like the political environment for the moment in the states um i have a lot of i have a lot of friends who are minorities and they definitely feel like a shift mm. in terms of people's attitude and just you know in terms of of different things they experience at work in life so no i i, I probably wouldn't want to be there for mm. that at this time mm. do you have any tips for like people coming to shanghai or china in general if they want to live here work here start a business here i would say think it out you know i think people think oh my god i'm going to china you know the streets are lined up with money that's not anymore and that's not just shanghai even the second tier city i think people's mentality are a little bit you know open up and they've seen things compared to what the westerners would would assume of um so if you want to come here you want to work you want to open your own business definitely you know come come to shanghai check it out but you have to really have a value of what you're looking to do i would say 20 years ago 
it was so easy for any expat to find a job, right? You speak English, great. That's a that's an advantage. But for now, with all the Chinese kids that have gone overseas, gotten their education overseas, come back, and they speak Chinese on top of that, really, like I think, you know, you gotta ask yourself, what's my advantage? What can I do that others cannot provide? And certainly, it's not English. Mm, yeah, it's not enough <laughs> to be white. Exactly, exactly. So you've you've got to have to have you know you have to have something else to bring to the table. Um, but I think there is a lot of room for people to explore. There is a lot of new um, new businesses. There's you know the whole wave of internet, uh, interactive, digital age. There's a lot of things that's to be done there. Design continue continuously. You know, is is how do I say? Design has always been something that expats excel at. More and more, I think a lot of the Chinese are getting better at it.、Um, but I think there's still a lot of room for people to explore. Maybe bringing installations, bringing arts from overseas. And how can you implement it here? Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think what's really good actually about the Chinese market is I feel customers are kind of also a little bit more、um, willing to experiment. Yeah, they're very hungry to、yeah. see new things. Yeah, exactly. So it also, for example, in the digital field, if you have any cool app idea or something, or any anything that's new and innovative, you could. Try, I think it's a good market to test it out because、right. people are not. I mean, it's it's good and bad. So they are kind of not super like brand loyal or product loyal. Maybe they、right. they will. They are very very easy to switch. I feel like, but again, then it's good for new th-、uh, products or companies to you know convince maybe new、right. customers. Right. Only I I I would say a big challenge for a lot of the expats who come here to start their business is that the marketing channels. In China, it's completely different from what we have in the West, right? You don't have Facebook, you don't have Instagram.、Um, so, how do you market your product or your service to your target audience in the right channel with the land with the right language? That's that's something、um, you need to explore and test. And、uh, and and yeah, I think once you got that figured out, <laughs> and granted that you're selling something of good value, then yeah, you make it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Although I think also Chinese customers have become super demanding in a way because、um, there's a, it's a very fast economy. Yeah, it's so fast, and so many、mm. people want to succeed here. So、um, also Chinese customers have become super picky. So they want really, really good like、um, price value relationship, and obviously like every、um, like customer would do. But I feel like they have also a lot of、uh, options. Choose from nowadays. Right.、Um, that's why identifying your target audience becomes even more important. You know, for example, for events, we always have clients who come and say, "Hey, listen, I want to do this, but I'm gonna give you half of the price you're quoting because guess what? There's another Chinese agency that's gonna be willing to do it a half of the price. And this is where you have to decide: okay, do I want to do that, or do I want to leave it? Because If I do this, this will compromise the quality of my work. Same, you know, same thing goes for if you're a person, you're offering your service, or if you have your own business. I think. Yeah, the price、um, price competition is definitely、uh, very, very hard, very challenging. I feel like、sure. uh, in Germany or like slower markets, let's put it,、um, it's kind of you, you can get away with a little bit of a better margin. Right. Because there's not there's just not so much competition. 
but he has always been refused. Right. Um, so you do have to provide good value to people for whatever you offer, um, and it needs to be reasonably priced, you know, mm-hmm. because the days of ripping people off and making that one hit wonder and retiring in Thailand, <laughs> you know, that those days are gone. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, that leads me to almost my last question. Um, so what do you think is the most charming thing about China? Oh, okay. I would say what is the most charming thing about Shanghai? Because I don't, I don't know if I leave Shanghai, I would live anywhere else in China. I think, I think one of the most charming thing for Shanghai with me is the ability of the city to bring all these funny and interesting and quirky characters who sometimes are a bit lost. <laughs> they, you know, they come to Shanghai to find a little bit of themselves. Some of them come out stronger. Some of them come out even more lost. It's very difficult to explain. It's almost like New York. It's like people ask you, "What do you, what do you like about it?" You know, and I really don't know how to explain. It's a city of contradictions. You have this fast-moving economy. At the same time, you have this nostalgic. Old generation, you know, holding on to all things, the old values of Shanghai. Uh, you have um, you have all these expats coming in. It's it's a melting pot of everything, and I think that's the energy that brings brings us a lot of a lot of us here. Mm. And there are opportunities and there are losses. Mm. So this is the poker table. <laughs> you come here and you 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 know you make your bet. And you, you know, however you walk away from the table, gotta be okay with it. Mm, nice! <laughs> wow, that's exciting. <laughs> it's pre- it's a pretty exciting city. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you can definitely say nobody here is lazy. <laughs> you you cannot because you will just be washed away like like a piece of plastic yeah. on on the beach. Yeah. yeah. So you have to be you have to be on top of your game. So yeah, thank you so much, Wei Ling. For if, if people no want to reach out to you or follow your blogs or okay. talk to you, how could they reach you? Um, so there are a few ways. If you are on WeChat, uh, you can find me on my official account. That's Hui Ling, Dai Ni Fei. Hui Ling is Zhi Hui de Hui Ling Nong de Ling. Okay, maybe Isa can I actually put it in. The, in the yeah, show exactly, notes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I have um, an Instagram. Uh, Huiling Z1, where you can find links to my YouTube videos. Okay, that's, that's it. it. Cool, nice. <laughs> so, thank you so much. Thank you, Isa.